0: Geek Top 5 Season 5. I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) This is so exciting. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And the Marvel Cinematic Everything continues to roll, and we're all here to talk about the fourth Marvel Disney Plus television show, Marvel's What If. And, of course, that's way too much for Graham and I to handle on our own, so we have brought in our... I think at this point who we're going to institute is our regular Marvel expert panel. Yes, we
1: have uh, Nurse of the Century Sonali uh, on the, the panel with us. Hello, Sonali.
2: Hi, guys. Good to be back.
1: And Mr. Jonathan Cashmore, the man, the myth, the legend. What's up, guys? <laughs> and nine episodes of What If? Uh, the first uh, Marvel animated series that's part of the MCU. Uh, it was I was excited as soon as it was announced. Uh, I love the What If? comics, so this seemed like a, a great fit for me and... Uh, I was I was so curious to see how it would go. Animation seemed like a great way to do it. a Sort of uh, no major budget required version of the MCU done in half hour chunks. And uh, I guess we'll see how they pulled it off. I, I just before we get started on that, uh, what did you guys know about the what if concept going
3: into it?
2: I knew nothing.
3: <laughs> you knew nothing, Sonali?
2: No. I, I, I just heard they were doing a what if series and that was it.
3: Oh fair. I had um a little bit of background. Um I like I knew the I knew the first episode and I think two others. But um I didn't realize there was like a full comic book series. I thought they were just like little fun things along the way of comics throughout the history of Marvel really. I didn't know there was like a, a series of what if, but it makes sense.
2: And I could I my impression was like these were some of the questions that may have popped up in my own head, like through my journey through the MCU in the last what fifteen years now. <laughs> you know, what what if, you know, something had changed? Like I, I would have thought of like the bigger implication questions as well. So it, it I was intrigued anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a, it's a different take on it. And that, you know, there's things that you can do in a scenario like this where it doesn't have to be a continuing story. They can have more tragic endings or more final endings than you can do in a movie series that's going to be continuing until the end of time. So it's, uh, it's a, a fun way to look at the world that we don't get a chance to in the, the usual movies.
3: I also like how they did the animation with it because, I mean, first off, this had to be animated. There's some things that just don't translate to live action, and they were really able to, like, just shoot, literally shoot for the stars. And uh, animation is just the best way to do that. Like, you just have ridiculous scenes and be like, yeah, okay, I accept that. But, you know, live action, that would not necessarily, I mean, look at a few things that they tried to do Dragon Ball Z. And that's a couple other movies and they just were horrible because doesn't translate.
0: I, I feel like Marvel has proved that they can do it, but I bet they didn't want to do it nine times in close succession with different costumes and different sets and different characters every time, right? Like they want to save that money for their like their big team up movies. And nobody wants to spend <laughs> a billion dollars an episode on what if. So Yeah. So yeah, I concur. For sure, animation was the way to get this done. And uh, and uh, and uh, well, again, we're going to talk about episode by episode, but I think they succeeded more often than not. Yeah, and the
1: the animation style was beautiful, like you said, and it's uh, it it had a rotoscoped feel, and, and rotoscope is a style of animation where where live actors are filmed and then the art is drawn on top of their actions, and that's not what happened here, but the way they move and the the realism of the characters really comes through, and I I think that was a fun way to do it to sort of bridge the gap between a cartoon and the live action uh, movies. So, with that said, should we jump into episode 1?
3: Let's do it. Let's do it.
1: Uh August 11th, it's uh what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger and this is uh, uh the the idea is that before the serum can go into uh, Steve Rogers, uh, they get attacked, and it ends up being uh, given to Agent Peggy Carter, and so she gets the bulky super soldier body and the shield and goes to save the day, and uh, Howard Stark ends up building a sort of prototype Iron Man armor that uh, that Steve Rogers, scrawny old Steve Rogers, ends up wearing, and they go and, and have, uh, they,
0: they fight Hydra in, in the 40s. I thought this was a great one to start on. Um, both in first off, because first because it's a really simple idea. It's like to it eases you into it. Like, what if one little thing was different? And you notice there's a lot of narration by the watcher as this one starts. So he's very carefully explaining what's going on and what's changing, um, and then taking that and making it like this was still. Essentially, the movie Captain America, but just what if it was a little different?
3: I think this was a great like way to get started yeah, it showed kind of like i don't want to say the rules, but like how he was how he sees the worlds differently and the exact i mean I don't think he said it in the exact moment for too many of the episodes, but he did say it like this one he laid it out, he goes and this is the change. And then you just yeah, it was like the tutorial, right? Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> was. It was. I mean, yes, you spell it out, but I mean, it was in a really great, smooth way. It didn't seem like it was just being like, "Here's that information, jam it down your throat" kind of thing.
1: Yeah, most of the the episode titles and most of the episode um, descriptions and, and the the watchers' explanations tell you exactly what the change is, but there are a few where the change is a bit of a secret until the end of the episode. But this one real straightforward easy to follow i enjoyed it i had a blast watching it uh my son ended up watching it with us and he's four years old and he had a blast watching it and wanted to see more so that's that's always a good sign when it's a superhero thing i think
2: i thought this was a good again like introductory one i think having started watching sort of the the marvel tv series now it didn't really strike me as like awesome so that was i think i started to approach it a little more cautiously right off i liked the the thought of sort of switching in that gender role and shifting it to to peggy carter cuz she's an awesome character um i think that hasn't been explored as much in the mcu so she i decided on TV that tv
1: series that lasted for two seasons
2: Yeah, but two seasons—that's yeah, right. Like that's the (laughs) other. It is on my list of things to watch, and I have not gotten around to it yet. I don't know if that's also saying, or rather, telling, um, about you know how we kind of perceive maybe the character too in some ways, or just the expectations for it. But yeah, no, I thought it was like, okay, yeah, I'm watching this. I'm seeing the differences. I, I thought they did it pretty. Um, cleverly as well, like just just little changes that made it seem so much more um, different, but it wasn't really because I think in terms of the the linear story of of what happens to it, it's very similar to um, Captain America, the the first Avenger. Um, I also found the Watcher was an intriguing part of the show because they explained that he is what it is. But yeah, the exposition part, it was like, I wish the story had been able to tell me more of that itself. Um, But I guess, again, first one, promising, hopeful, and uh, I was willing to forgive that.
1: So Uatu the Watcher is the, the original Watcher and it eventually they had a whole species of them and, and a whole history for them. But this character was in the first Galactus story and it was a groundbreaking three issue thing. It was a, the first time it was like a serialized, very tightly constructed three issue story. And uh Galactus is going to come eat the earth and the watcher makes himself visible. He's like, I'm just a watcher and I can't interfere, but big stuff's going down. So I'm going to like just stand here and watch what's happening. And and I won't, you know, I won't interfere. And of course he ends up interfering a little bit, but it it's that introduced the character. And it's part of this great Stanley Jack Kirby run on that comic where they introduced so many concepts that became the building blocks of the Marvel universe. And, you know, even a character like that gets his own series in What If, where he's watching the multiverse and every issue is a different glimpse into a different world. Yeah, he, he's just a neat character and, and he's just stoic and and doesn't have much of a personality, at least at the, that point. This version of the character uh, by the end of the series is a lot more expressive and animated than the one in the comics was, at least for the first few decades of his existence.
2: I love his voice. Jeffrey yes. Wright is the actor. His voice is perfect, I think, for a character that is sort of just taking in all the the stories, right? So
0: Yeah, he does a good authority voice, but like a like the good guy authority. Yeah, you know, like they could have just gone the route of making him like like old and English, like the like 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 think of like the voice, like the architect in the Matrix. Yeah. That's when you do that voice and you do it wrong. Um, although in the matrix that might've been intentional because the architect was, but anyway, don't have to talk about the matrix, but yeah, I think they did a really good job with it. Um, and I, and honestly, I mean, like we talk about not knowing too much about him from the get go, but I think that was part of it. Um, we will talk about it as we go, but I think like you don't realize right away, but part of what, what if is, is that it's also kind of his story and it's sort of about things that happened to him at the end. So he, having him getting introduced, and piquing our curiosity and learning more as we go, I think that was part of the plan.
2: Can was you... it? Was it, though? Because, I don't know, I have some betrayal over this.
0: Uh, well, we'll get
1: there. I would, I'm would. i excited if they, when they get around to doing the Fantastic Four movie, I would like to see a live-action version of this character. And You know, you could they could CG him up and do whatever, but have Jeffrey Wright show up with a giant baby head and every, uh, the, the whole look that he's got in this and and have them just watch some big event that's
3: happening in the Fantastic Four movie that would be a nice touch and then go back yeah. to Guardians and uh oh. digitally overlap the ones that they put there
1: <laughs> right i forgot about those ones
0: yeah yeah they're talking to stan lee right yeah, yeah.
2: kind You've of wish you to had to talk to. Use the words giant baby head now that's all i'm going to think about
3: <laughs> if they're going to do if they're going to do like a watcher species though they should put like stan Lee as one of the watchers
1: well, they all kind of look blandly similar, so it would be hard to pull off. Or it would be weird if one of them had uh, sunglasses and a mustache.
3: That's all you need, though. That's all you need. Just a sunglasses and mustache, bald baby head.
0: <laughs> anyway, we're, we're in the weeds. But <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, on the whole, uh, you know, the peg Agent Carter, they call her Captain Carter, right? That's, that's yeah. the superhero name. Yeah, so I think sounds like we're all in agreement there that that is all a good start. Um, but I'm getting also the impression not like does like, was this someone anyone's favorite or is are we all agree that this was just sort of the like th- this was at the start of the start of the race
2: Second I think it was a,
3: it was definitely good but definitely not a favorite like they were like what if definitely um like stepped up their game once again in a totally different direction i it was kind of like Loki, like Loki opened up the multiverse and then they just went, boom, here's this omnipresent being. And we're going to tell you his stories now. So with Captain Carter, I feel like it was a the probably one of the more um, known stories. And I think it was a smart choice to put that out there for people who even kind of heard of the idea kind of thing. And, you know. Just had fun with it. She, in my opinion, she was a better Captain America, like better than Captain America. She was kicking some pretty good butts there. Wow. And
1: for my part, I would, uh, I, I don't think it would rank as my favorite, but it would be in my top five. Uh, so, well, let's jump to episode two, and the title is, What If T'Challa Became a Star-Lord? And that's basically all you need to know. It's, it's, a, what if, uh, the Ravagers, when they'd come to Earth, instead of taking young Peter Quill, they took, uh, T'Challa from Wakanda, and, and so the, uh, the Prince of Wakanda became Star-Lord, and, uh, And goes off and has all of Peter Quill's adventures. And and does way better than Peter Quill ever did. (laughs) But I didn't
2: buy it. I didn't buy a lot of sort of the universal peace that he brings. I I thought that was... Like coming off of Captain Carter again. Where the changes were a bit more subtle. The changes were a little cleverer. Um, Like seeing him... We're doing spoilers, right? Like that, I can go into oh, yeah. that. Oh, thank you. Uh, like having Thanos as part of the crew because he was able to talk him down. Like I did not buy that at yeah, all. That's
0: that's where I lost it a little bit too. And I and and I think, of course, across a lot of the episodes, we're going to see this where they ask us just to like just sort of go with it. But they do overstep occasionally. And yeah, having like, well, how did you beat Thanos? Oh, actually, I made him my best friend now. It was like, okay, come on. (laughs) Really?
1: I did like this version of Thanos. He won me over, but I agree. It's hard
0: to buy. I I liked mellow Thanos. Like, all the mellow versions of the characters were fun, (laughs) but it's like, you gotta give me something. You gotta have a couple lines of dialogue. You have to have, like, a quick flashback or something if you're gonna mess with that. Like, if we were doing a what-if Star Wars and Darth Vader just strode into the Millennium Falcon cockpit, like, you know, Hey, what's up, everyone? uh han love your vest like you'd be sitting there going what the f- are you kidding me yeah well
1: han won him in a game of Sabak.
0: yeah like, like that yeah and i think like we'll talk about it more episode by episode but i'm with sonali on that one i think they occasionally went too far like why would t'challa being star lord have enabled him to talk down thanos i think they were I, I, trying
3: to do it purposefully like I mean, they made fun of it throughout the dialogue, throughout the whole thing. Like he made fun of himself. He's like, "But it was efficient." Like he, like he was. Thinking, I
1: don't know if that's, mm, uh, I don't know if that's making fun of it.
3: <laughs> uh, they, they, uh, they addressed it, it. Sorry, it was they, a they, good they, joke. But, <laughs> but I, yeah. They addressed it with with some light humor.
1: I think there's a, a tendency uh, as because of the cultural significance of. Um, the Black, know, oh, no, okay. the Black Panther movie. No, the Black Panther movie. And the, uh, especially this, the added significance because of, uh, Chadwick Boseman's tragic death, which obviously hadn't happened when this episode was written and conceived and animated and everything. But I think there's a tendency to elevate Black Panther to a place where he's never, you know, to a level he's never been. He's, he's become this like, perfect human in a way that that Batman sometimes is uh in the the DC universe and it's a little it it can be a little frustrating I I find watching this stuff because it's like I get it I get that he's an important character and I get that he's an icon but to make him this infallible charm machine it kind of uh, diminishes the character because you want a character that has flaws, that has problems, that has that makes them more interesting. If they just win at everything, it's kind of boring.
3: Agreed. That's a good but, point.
0: Now, that being said, that's only one element of a complicated episode. They have to go up against the Collector, who in Thanos' absence has sort of become kind of a supervillain himself. That was a badass scene. I, that was, I really loved that scene. The Collector was, was awesome. A, it was a cool fight and it was kind of like a, it was kind of a cool heist. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we think like, we think that like cool calm nebula or like Jessica rabbit nebula, whatever you want to describe (laughs) it has like betrayed them, but she didn't. It was like a double agent thing. Like it was a whole back and forth. Like it was a very exciting guardians of the galaxy type movie stuffed into 20 minutes. Um, it did have a lot of those like, Oh, come on. Are you kidding me? Moments? But, I would like this. I don't know if I would have watched um, Captain Carter because it was too close to Captain America. But this one, if this was like if this was actually a Guardians of the Galaxy movie for some reason, like I would have I would have been entertained. I would have followed an hour and a half of this story.
3: Hey, hey, hey. Captain Carter took on a big squid monster (laughs) where Captain America took on a guy with a red face. I totally mean, totally he took on story. Hugo Weaving
0: <laughs> with a red face. <laughs> Elrond with a red face. Let's not <laughs> undersell it. All Agent right? Smith. Agent Smith. Yeah. He was there, Cashmore, okay. 3,000 years ago.
2: <laughs> so the, the big what if for this one, for me, actually ended up being, you know, what if the collector um, became the big bad instead of Thanos? And I really liked that characterization of it because he went from you know in in guardians he was sort of this you know kind of silly not very serious kind of character but here like i felt a bit of menace off of him like it became darker his like need and um like the power he had accumulated in collecting all these things from across the universe
3: and if you saw he collect like that collection, he did have some pretty cool stuff there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, tons of Easter eggs and stuff, of course, anytime you're doing anything with the collector. Uh, bring bring back Howard the Duck, of course, get Seth Green back in there, uh, the the whole kit and caboodle. This yeah, I liked this one. And it had a nice wrap-up at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it it felt like it was a complete story. I liked this one too. At this point, and I like watching the episodes, at this point, I was definitely on a high. Agreed. All right. Well, let's go
1: to episode three, which is somewhat misleadingly titled, uh, What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Heroes? And the idea is that the Avengers are getting killed off one by one before they can become the Avengers. Um, Tony Stark gets, uh, poisoned and, uh, Hulk explodes and, uh, a Hawkeye, uh, is just mysteriously killed in prison and, and, uh, Black Widow is framed for, uh, Iron Man's death and has to go try and hunt down what's really going on. And it turns out that the real what if is what if Hope Van Dyne, the Wasp, had been an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and was killed in the line of duty and Hank Pym went nuts and started killing all these
0: people to get back at Fury. Yeah, so right off the bat, that did bug me that the What If title was inaccurate. I, frankly, would still like to see an episode of, like, what if Earth lost its mightiest heroes? Because, like, how would that have gone? But that wasn't the story I got. What I got was the story of them losing their mightiest heroes. So already, Mm. eh, point against it. Um, I'll hijack it before handing it off to the the guest panel and say that I, I didn't like this one. Um, I was waiting for it to get interesting, and then the reveal that it was Hank Pym—that was just kind of a was it, oh. And I and honestly, I don't think it adds up. Like, I don't think it makes sense if you analyze it. Like, how would he have known to kill Thor? Uh, he says in it, uh,
2: "Oh,
3: it was an accident I, or not no, an accident." He, it was like a he sees the opportunity, kind of. Yeah, thing. he was like, "Oh, I
0: knew you would recruit him," and you know, <laughs> it's.
3: Hey. They yeah. don't know,
0: like, at that point, Shield doesn't even know who he is. At that point, this is like the first time they've ever met him when yeah, he breaks into you, the base.
1: Did you see his hair? Beautiful
0: yeah. hair. <laughs> I just, that kind of, like, I don't buy that. I, That's I don't, fair. I don't buy that. I mean, is it on the same level as as mellow Thanos? I don't know. But yeah, I watched this whole thing waiting for it to like get good and it was all going to be based like they put all their eggs in the basket of that this about this incredible reveal and it's oh Hank Pym is pissed off why would he be pissed off because his daughter died oh
1: i think one of the things that i didn't i like i watching it a second time i enjoyed it more knowing what was actually happening and where it was going i was able to enjoy the build up a bit better i uh, i think one area where it falls a bit is when Uh, Black Widow figures out what's going on and she says it's about hope. It's all about hope. And it's like so clear that she's talking about a person, but you're supposed to be like oh, what does she mean by hope? Like, hope for what? What are we hoping for? Why is that the problem?
0: Yeah, boy, too bad she didn't just say it's all about Hank Pym. It's all about Hank Pym. Like, that would have wrapped it up in a hurry. And she clearly had the time. Yeah. Yeah, and there's
1: no reason for her to be cryptic.
0: cryptic.
2: Yeah, I think this was the first one that struck me as like the the thread doesn't really follow with the what if like you want to talk about establishing the characters, establishing the, the world, even the universes that are different, like whatever has changed. I figured there would be a fundamental, like solid character, like to each person that that is um, present. So just in terms of having the, the mystery, like they tried to do a thriller, first of all, like a um, civil, not civil war. Uh, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier, yeah. They, I think that they tried to kind of set that same tone and it failed miserably because, like you're saying, they they something that was uh, patently obvious to us was not to the characters that I think it, they would have figured out two steps before we did. So... The characters seemed to be off. They weren't really themselves. And it wasn't really a what-if situation that explained that either. I think for me, the biggest what-if in this episode was what-if, like, Loki won by default, really.
1: Yeah, well, and at the end of the episode, this is one of a, a couple of episodes where I the ending is a little unsatisfying because it ends just as things get interesting, which I think Jesse was alluding to. But it's like... All all of the original Avengers are dead, except Fury then finds the frozen Captain America and has just summoned Captain Marvel. And they're going to work together to defeat Loki, who is uh, just taken over Earth. And it's like this, like seeing what that first Avengers fight against Loki would look like with this team versus what we got in the movie is a really interesting what if. Yeah, that would have been the cool part. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right watching yeah, them yeah, all die enough. all like drawn out wasn't interesting that wasn't like like that wasn't what I was here to see I was here to see what happens after that I I have to say I did of all the deaths I I thought uh the Hulk's
1: death was the coolest I thought that was a unique way to kill the Hulk and in, as a comic book reader, I know it's like impossible to kill the Hulk. They've made it so ridiculous that he can. there's no way to even hurt him. But this was a neat way to thread that needle and kill him in a way that was satisfying. Where you weren't like, well, that doesn't make sense. The Hulk could survive that. I, I don't know that he could survive having his like blood cells enlarge from within his body.
2: But again, it wasn't the death so much. It was like how would how would you subvert sort of the natural progress of the timeline where you end up having the Avengers, right? Like, uh, they could have just been redirected by a single choice or a single um, event that came up instead of one thing that led them to the initiative itself. Like, that would have been much more interesting to me than, like, it's like, okay, yeah, they're all getting killed, so it's not really the mystery of them being lost so much as what's going on with around them rather than to them.
3: Um I kind of agree with Jess. It was a pretty slow thing. I did like some things about it, like um just the callback of the Incredible Hulk, the setting that they decided to do there.
1: Yeah, um, and swapping in Mark Ruffalo for Ed Norton. It,
3: yeah. Yeah. I I also like the, you know, the smackdown at the end with uh Nick Fury, like he was and and Loki. Um, that was pretty cool because you don't really get to see him. I mean, because Samuel's so old and he's not going to be doing that kind of stunt work anytime soon. Um, so it was just cool to see an animated version of himself, like actually like have no problem taking out somebody and uh, but other than that, yeah, it was kind of bland. I'll do like the callback in a few- the future what if episodes with this episode, so it shows like a little more connectivity, but other than that, it was kind of more of a failure episode for me.
1: okay, let's jump ahead to episode four uh again, slightly misleadingly titled "What if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands?" and really, what it's about is. What if, uh, Dr. Palmer, Rachel McAdams character had been in the car with him when he had the accident and instead of his hands getting all messed up, she had died. And so his entire goal, instead of getting the use of his hands again, was about resurrecting her and he ends up splitting himself or the ancient one ends up splitting him in two because it's the only way to stop him. And one of his, the, the, the more evil half of him, the, uh, enemy within version of him is uh becomes this master sorcerer and destroys the earth in his attempts to revive Christine.
0: Yeah, I mean you missed the the key point there that like in they the, the key to this episode is that she has to die and he has to be heartbroken or like time will end apparently. Um which is confusing because in the actual Doctor Strange movie she lives just fine. And And then, then, but that's my uh, we we argued about this a little bit
1: over text. But it's like in in the MCU reality in the six one six, it that's how it plays out. But in this reality that
0: she can't live that's right but then you get into like what is a reality because we learn through loki that the like the multiverse the reason there are parallel universes apparently is because of changes to timelines because of
3: different choices so those would be nexus events but she they were talking about absolute points in time which can't be changed
1: oh he's got you there but it, but that makes
2: what, it worse, though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but that means that in this universe, that's an absolute point. No, Whereas okay. in our universe, it might not be.
2: But an absolute point indicates that it should be the point in everything, then, right? Like if
3: Not necessarily.
2: Like, how's the different from a Nexus event, then?
3: Different he who remains in that point of time. Or reality. <laughs> that's my guess. <laughs> it, ultimately,
1: it's all made up nonsense and doesn't
0: matter. Yeah, no, what, but, what we're getting at is that, again... <laughs> Like they're like, these are things where you just sort of have to roll with it, but it did stick out to me. And I don't want to focus too much on it because otherwise phenomenal episode, not just of Marvel's what if, but of television, <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch in this was amazing. Especially, like this was the first one where I really bought the, like the actual actor doing the animated character's voice. Like I was a hundred percent on board and frankly, like I was emotional at the end of this one. When he was like, no,
3: like he just like that soft no at the end was like, he got
0: everything uh, he wanted and destroyed everything and lost it all again. And it was always in vain and like the, the up to it. And you don't know who to root for exactly because you want him to get her back. Like, and you, can you find a way out of it? And I don't, I was super invested in this one. This one, like, this one I walked away with feels. Whereas pretty much every other one I walked away going, eh, yeah, it was fun.
3: Yeah, this one was one of my favorites for sure. Um, I also love the um, part, like, when he decided, okay, I'm going to pa- get that power to do this. Um, He made himself virtually immortal, finds out the most powerful Sorcerer that manipulates time, and it just learns like that's just crazy. And then he starts absorbing monsters, one which is that squid monster thing again. Um, yeah,
1: do, is that just a coincidence that everyone, all the big monsters have tentacles, or is it? No, it's, meant to be. The I looked same it up. Thing with Captain Carter.
3: I looked it up. It's supposed to be kind of the same thing. The monsters named is Shumu uh, Shuma, Shuma Gorath. Gorath or something, like that. and um, essentially just you know. Consumes multiverses. I only know of Shuma
0: Gorath because
3: of Marvel versus
0: Capcom. <laughs> <laughs> I I am aware that's a comic book character, but only because it was playable in the fighting game. It's really like Lovecraft light,
1: you know. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a cool thing, and and it's a cool thing that he absorbs it and has all these weird tentacle powers from it.
2: That was the uh, the illusion I got from it. Like it's like this beyond human power right like it's the biggest possible thing that could affect us so yeah very lovecraftian on that front
0: yeah lovecraft has pretty much monopolized the like oh it's too too creepy (laughs) and big for us to imagine like he's he's pretty much had that locked down it's that means it has tentacles and you can't find the face
3: (laughs) does the dark dr strange have like become omnipresent? He starts, he, he understands, he, he had a conversation with the Watcher, so does that mean he's like a celestial being at that point?
1: As close to it as a human can become, I guess? I
2: feel like, yeah, I think the implication is that he's absorbed so much power that he's transcended sort of the normal mortal plane at the very least, beyond even what the Sorcerer Supreme can. Um, you know, I, th- I think the implication through the episode was like he was absorbing power and abilities and. Um, creatures for, like, 400 years or something.
3: Yeah, like, and if you, like, break it down, like, when he was talking to the Watcher, like, he's literally talking through dimension, or, uh, yeah, a dimension. So...
1: I, I did really love that aspect of it with and like breaking the rules it, it, only in episode four where um, of, of this Doctor Strange knowing that the Watcher is there and, and at first just like sort of catching a glimpse out of, of him out of the corner of his eye and then bargaining with him at the end of the episode. I really enjoyed that breaking of the the rules and it, it set the tone for stuff that would come later.
0: Yeah, but, it's foreshadowing, uh, very foreshadowing yeah, heavy. Yeah.
3: It seems really that the like watcher that. even in the earlier things in the comics just breaks his rules so he should not oh, be naming himself the watcher.
0: Well, he's <laughs> Captain Kirk and the prime directive, right? Like it's it's the first <laughs> directive, it's the most important thing unless there's an alien babe to kiss or <laughs> alien I, babe to rescue and then kiss.
1: If memory serves in the comics, uh, they reach a point where it's like Watu's not a great Watcher. Like of of all the Watchers, he's 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 the problem child. He <laughs> gets put in the corner more than the rest. He's the, the, the black Sheep?
0: Yeah.
2: Oh my goodness, oh, I, I I just have to say, like this was my favorite. It was the best of them because it actually embodies what what if is is supposed to mean. The title was spot on, I think, because the implication for a heart versus a hand, I don't know, I just really like the way they did that. Like,
1: I found it a little cheesy, but it, I, I get it.
2: It was subtly done. I mean, it wasn't like, <laughs> you know, it wasn't really in your face with it. But oh. the most important thing for me for it was that they showed the the alteration of a set persona. Like, Dr Strange his character we know who he is what he's like and to watch that shift and change because of the change in the absolute point that he has to deal with here i think that's what invested me into it it's because okay yeah there i it's a logical sensible you know cause and effect that ha- that is happening that is affecting him and, and what would a person who you know has power who has ability what would they do and then the fact that they split him in two like the sorcerer supreme um shifted to sh- show that he could have made a different choice he could have put it down and said you know what no and moved on and that that still that person was still in him um i thought was brilliant because that that is more it's more open-ended it's more um eye-opening that brings the another like part of the universe to you i think the fact that that universe then ended up ending i accepted that the watcher talked to him at that point because it was more um final that made sense to me because if the watcher is talking to you then i know that nothing is going to change now and that that's it like who's he gonna tell Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, that was like, it's like, mm. oh, if he's talking to you, you're done. That's it. There's right. there's nothing else. There's no coming back from this. In the previous episodes, like you see him kind of, I love the effect of him in the backgrounds because you see him there. And, and mm. I, I took that to mean that, yeah, he's he's uh, a presence that no one ever knows. He's a shadow in the universe and in the multiverse and in another dimension. Um, but in this case, it, was, it it had an impact, right? So... I was uh, I I think this is by this was the perfect episode for me.
1: I guess I just before we move on I I just want to uh defend myself a little bit about the title. It's Doctor What if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? There's another Marvel character who prominently and importantly loses his heart and that's Tony Stark. So to have that in the title, it makes me think like there's going to be some sort of connection between Doctor Strange and Tony Stark. And then you watch it, ends about his girlfriend dying, and it felt a little
0: cheesy to me. I, I got to uh. tell you, I think that's pretty niche <laughs> to you, man. I think most people losing your heart would, would make the connection to a loved one pretty pretty easily except there's or
1: well yeah yes for sure except that the the mcu character is iron man and he loses his heart so it's it literally so it uh you know i it felt like to me anyway a bit of a, a bait and switch
2: you wanted a bromance not a romance
1: look mustache bros that's our facial hair bros there's a whole uh thing in the <laughs> yeah, comics about we'll that
2: just go with that <laughs>
1: Uh, the next one is simply titled What If Zombies? Uh, the idea is that Janet Van Dyne went to the quantum realm and somehow became a zombie and she came back and zombified everyone. And uh, it's a last ditch attempt from a ragtag Walking dead s group of superheroes to try and uh, save the world from the zombie uh, apocalypse.
2: I hated this one. <laughs> I I've actively worked to forget it.
1: All right. Man. I'm always
3: I'm always down for zombies. Even I mean it was a little campy, but whatever. It was fun. It was a good time. Um I liked Zombie Scarlet Witch. So I mean and and the fact that Vision was feeding people to her is kind of awesome. Pretty dark. That's
2: unbelievable. Vision <laughs> would not do that. It's that, that solid characterization, the persona. That's not how that works. And it hey. was unbelievable. And it was like, I couldn't accept it because he went from being like, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't do that. Okay, let's let's do the complete opposite thing that he I should have been doing all this really time. He
1: really fast. <laughs> That's fair,
3: but he and is an part- android. So if like nobody was in his way to tell him he was wrong at the beginning, and he's very new to being alive at that point, I mean, realistically, he would just continue doing it until he realized he was wrong. Which, when they told him, he was like, "Oh yeah, that is not right."
2: Hmm. But he's got the mind stone. He's still got the ability to...
1: He's got the Mind Stone, not the Ethics Stone.
2: Yeah. And so also, he... <laughs> I, think,
0: I mean, I'm not sure, like, it seems like this takes place right before Infinity War, right? So I think he's had enough time to, like, figure out, you know, basic human morality. Maybe. Uh, I've been kind of quiet on this one because I wanted to hear you guys, too. I, I mean, I also hated this one. Uh, for different reasons, though, I just found, like, again, it was something where I'm not, it's too much for me just to let go. I need to have explained to me exactly what's happening here with the zombies. Like, they're clearly not just standard lurching zombies because they still have superpowers. And it's like, okay, I can, I can sort of get behind that. Not really, but I'll, I'll... But then, like, with zombie Hawkeye, like, he's a zombie but he's still an expert archer like he can still calculate wind resistance I-, I like that I that was
1: one of my favorite parts of the episode is that they still had their abilities even though they were zombies that was a zombie twist i haven't seen before I just well, I couldn't
3: Sorry, we've never done the quantum virus zombies yet. <laughs> that is true. No, is- I needed,
0: no, I needed more than quantum virus. I need to know what. So what is happening to Hawkeye right now. He still has a brain, obviously. He still knows who he is. He still remembers his training. He still has his skill set. But he has a skull for a face. And does he want to eat them? Like We do see zombies that we're pretty sure they're eating people, but... Then, why is he with, with with the bow and arrow like I just i needed I needed more to get past it, and I could never get past it like Captain America is still a zombie super soldier, like he still punches really hard, but they're still able to tear him in half like he's a weak zombie made of rotting flesh, so is he super strong or isn't he
3: super strong not durable that's my that's my final go. answer
0: I don't think that's how that works
1: <laughs> okay well. I think we can all agree that uh, Head in the Jar
0: uh, Scott Lang was was fun. Was a delight, yeah. Was it? I mean, and zombie like zombie hunter Peter Parker, like with his like zombie training video and stuff, like that was all yeah. hilarious. Very charming, uh, and, but just and, the whole premise of this episode to be wrapped around this, I needed more, and I didn't have
3: it. I like how genuinely upset Peter Parker was when he's trying to give everybody advice, and he's like, "Have you guys never seen a horror movie?" And then, <laughs> um, the I've, who was it from Wakanda says, "We watch American television or something, or reality." Oh, it's oh, yeah. that's our horror, right? yeah, Okoya, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. I just I don't know. I enjoyed that. That was. Yeah, it, it, it
0: was very like Sam Rockwell in Galaxy Quest. Yeah, do you guys ever watch the show? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, this one just—I was—I I mean, Sonal and I watched it together, but I, so for, for different reasons. But yeah, like, we were yelling at the TV. This one just bugged us so much. I definitely didn't hate it. It's a middling episode.
1: I don't remember it very well. I don't—I didn't have much desire to to rewatch it. Um, but uh, you know, it was fine. I, I I I I definitely don't understand the hate for it. But we will move on and maybe find uh, a more common ground with the next episode, which is what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? And uh, so Killmonger, Eric Killmonger is the villain from the black Panther movie. And he's this guy who's got plans within plans. And in this universe, his plans don't involve the black Panther quite as much. They involve saving Tony Stark and being his right-hand man. So Tony never becomes Iron Man and uh, Killmonger ends up, becoming in charge of uh, the Stark industries and they build a bunch of robots. And then he goes and takes over Wakanda. And uh, it's, it's a neat, a neat premise, a neat sort of melding of the things. There's a uh, Marvel crossover event called, uh, fatal attractions, I think, or something like that. And the idea of it was, uh, superhero, superheroes being pitted against other superheroes, villains, like villains they wouldn't normally fight. And that's kind of what this felt like, a what if version of that where, uh, it's Black Panther's villain fighting Iron Man and the different challenges that that uh, entails. They went with Fatal Attractions for I, that? Oh, no, like, you're making me look it up. I don't remember exactly what it was called. I just It, it sounds like a dating show. Like a, well, well, it's a, you know, a great movie with uh, Michael Douglas and uh, uh, Glenn Close.
0: It's a good movie with Michael Douglas. <laughs> <laughs>
2: to,
0: but that's a different podcast.
1: Uh, sorry, Acts of Vengeance. That's much different. Much different, Uh, I guess. I'm sorry.
2: Okay. (laughs) First of all, I think they um, introduced this as a Tony Stark episode, and it wasn't. I kind of wish they had started with Killmonger. How did he get there? I think it would have been much more sort of impactful if we'd seen Killmonger and then realized what he was doing with saving Tony Stark. Because... Even throughout the episode, like the focus should have been Killmonger and it wasn't like you're still watching kind of Tony doing his thing. He doesn't get that change. And the narration from the watcher from this was, again, unnecessary um, because the story's exposition, I think, would have been sufficient for that. Um, So, yeah, it was interesting to see that. I didn't buy it entirely. I mean, his ultimate you know, goal to take over sort of Wakanda for what was done uh, to him and his family. It is what it is, but...
0: Th- those are his motivations in the movie, though, right?
2: They well, are, but...
0: But his plan was so convoluted. Yeah. It seemed like there were a lot of extra steps, like the letting the Stark robots in and then shutting them down and then powering them back up and then defeating them. And then, like, it's... It, like it. it it seemed like there were a lot of extra <laughs> processes here.
1: My biggest problem with this episode was that it, I felt again, it ended just as it was getting interesting, like Pepper and uh, Shuri team up and they, they're the only ones who've seen through Killmonger's thing. And they're going to go and take them down. And it's like, I want to see how that happens. Like, how are these two going to work together to defeat Killmonger? Cause you know, that's going to happen. You, I i want to see that process and we never get that. And uh, as, as interesting as it was to see his like plans within plans within plans to take over Wakanda, cut that down a little bit. Have him take over Wakanda in the middle of the episode or something. And then have the end of the episode be about Shuri and, and Pepper teaming up and, and defeating him. And then maybe Shuri takes over Stark Enterprises or something. I don't know.
3: Maybe a season two.
1: Well, we kind of later in this season we get uh, a a bit more of uh closure on this episode but it's not what i was looking for but it's enough that i don't think you need to go back and and do a sequel episode
3: i heard they cut out an episode for this season and they're going to put it in season 2 and it explains a character in the last episode yeah
0: it's a different yeah. thing we'll we'll get there yeah um anyway. yeah this episode I mean, I I think I liked it a little better than you, Graham. Like, I was interested in what's Killmonger's game and how is it going to turn out. It was fun seeing Ulysses' claw again. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, taking T'Challa out pretty early, I thought, was an interesting choice um, and set things up. Like, I was sort of expecting there to be another dramatic Black Panther showdown. Um, but obviously that would have just aped the movie and that would have been no good. So I think they found a fine way around it. Uh, not my favorite, but I bought this as an interesting, like one thing changed and how did the the consequences cascade? Like Sort of the same way one thing changed with Christine Palmer with Doctor Strange. Like this show I think is at its best when it's just things are a little different, but it has a huge butterfly effect. And I think this one did it fairly well. Okay, so we're going to
1: move on to episode seven. What if Thor were an only child? This is a world where uh, Loki never ends up getting adopted by Odin, and Thor grows up on his own and is uh, just a a party animal, and uh, he has a big, rowdy party on Earth while his dad is sleeping, and his mom's at a retreat, and uh, then his mom finds out about it, and he gets in trouble, and... I, I'm gonna say it. Uh, this was my least favorite episode of the whole run. It was, of course, uh, it was <laughs> really, really. Uh, I just was like, I don't care about any of this.
0: I just had such a good time. Oh, and I was f- laughing and after, <laughs> especially after zombies. It was such a palate cleanser just to have everyone like happy and funny. My brother I... from
3: another mother.
0: <laughs> it was fun. It was it definitely was so fun.
2: fun. Yeah, I and I liked it. It was a completely different vibe from everything else we'd seen before this. Um I I mean, Thor's character didn't really change that much because he was who he was at the beginning of Thor anyway. I think the implication being that he didn't really grow up or or become anyone else.
0: Yeah, it's I mean, he's still foolish, but in this one he's a buffoon. Like he he like Thor as the comic relief and that character carries where he's the the dumb funny guy, he's sort of the Scott Lang of the crew now. Uh, that is different.
2: I mean, not by much. I mean, even on like Asgard during uh, Thor, he's just sort of this merry fighting dude. Like, yeah, he he wanted to have a party, so he went to like Vegas to do it. Like, fine, I I, I it was it was you know just stupid fun, but there wasn't really anything different about it like looking to it like what if he wasn't sort of the warrior he ended up becoming and a threat came that he couldn't really manage or deal with like that's the implication again one of those things where it was like okay like i would have liked to see what happens at the end beyond the end
1: uh, that to me the end was the most interesting part where the the Ultron from the next episode breaks through the the barriers and and uh, uh, starts attacking that world that was the only part where I was like ah now we're we're getting to serialized storytelling here there's a bigger story happening and I got intrigued but up until that point I was like uh let's wrap it up even like, the we, Captain I, get Marvel it. I get it yeah
3: yeah. I love the Captain Marvel fight because you can't have like fights like that. Like I said, uh, I mean, I guess you can, but it's a lot easier through animation. So, I mean, true though th- that that has been like a topic before. Like, what happens if they fought? What would I mean? Yes, Thor was completely drunk and not really fighting, and Captain Marvel was holding back. But I mean, it was a funny fight party pooper.
1: For <laughs> for for stuff like that, I always go back to to like this thing that Stan Lee said whenever he was asked who would win in a fight. His answer was, "Whoever the writer wants to win." And that so so the those ideas of like who would win in a fight between Captain Marvel and Thor. It's like I don't I don't know I don't doesn't matter if just tell me a good story. And so the idea of them just punching each other over a misunderstanding doesn't. Especially a silly misunderstanding about having a party on Earth didn't didn't do much for me. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna be the jerk this time. I'm the, I'll embrace the name Party Pooper.
3: It's all right. It's okay.
2: <laughs> I I might be with you there, to be honest. Like again, it didn't really add anything. I, I, it was a it was forgettable, and it it didn't uh, have any gravitas to it at all.
1: Yeah, like it's I, – I get the joke. It's like mom and dad are away for the weekend, so we have a big party. And oh no, mom and dad are back early, so we got to clean up. But I don't know. It just uh, didn't.
0: It, like, To me, it was just the opportunity to see those characters doing that. Like it wasn't so much about like, oh, what a clever twist. But like, you know, what is it like if Drax and Jeff Goldblum show up at this party? Like it's just like seeing every, like what is it? It's Nebula, right? Where he asks her to help and it's, Oh, I think I hear my dad calling. Right. Like it it was like, let's take all these characters on this complicated world. And like, what if they were just entirely carefree? Uh, And I really enjoyed that. I think
1: maybe if it had been the first, I think maybe if it had been the first episode or something like that, I might've been more into it. But at this point there'd been so many dark ones. Then they, they felt like there was more gravitas to them and more of uh more of a feeling of import behind them. This felt too much of a throwaway to me
0: and just felt like a time killer.
1: Should we move on to episode eight?
0: Yeah, yeah, it sounds like we're uh, we're you know we're both on heels, we're not gonna budge from on this one. <laughs> this is what if Ultron had won, and the idea is like what if
1: uh instead of Jarvis getting the vision body and becoming the vision Ultron had, and that gave him access to the Mind Stone. And through that, he gets all the other Infinity Stones and learns how to break through to other universes. Uh, at, at, while that's going on, the uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye are basically the only people left alive on earth. And they uh, are trying to find a way to stop him. And the, the plan is to Infect him with uh, Arnim Zola, the digitized version of the Nazi from uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. And you see him in a a computer form
0: in Winter Soldier. I mean, this one was – this was the Avengers of the – well, no, this was a lead into that, I guess. I'm trying to say, like, this is where they were going to bring all the threads together. And it was – Fine. I think it was mostly set up for the next episode. Is that fair? Is that?
3: It's totally um, fair. But yeah. you got to see like Ultron in action with the Watcher, and actually see the uh, the Watcher get it come in action too, which was pretty cool. I liked that fight scene.
1: Yeah, I, I, there was neat stuff. I like the the panicked version of of uh, the Watcher as he realizes that uh, what Ultron is doing, and and when. Uh, he's trying desperately to just remain as a watcher. And while Clint, the Hawkeye is going through the files to find the the virus. And he's like, it's right there.
3: Just, just look to your left. It's right
1: there. Sort of like, I feel like we've all had a feeling like that at some point or other, where we're watching someone do something in a movie or or, or anything. And you're just like, just look to your left. And, but his stakes are a little higher. Um, it was a nice uh, bit of performance and, and a nice uh, added layer to the character. Uh, I just want to talk a bit about the, the voice acting, because a lot of the time they got the original voice or the original actors to play the cartoon version of the characters, and there are a few exceptions, like a uh, guy named Josh Keaton did the voice of Steve Rogers instead of uh, Chris Evans. I thought he did a great job. Um, there was a different I think Lake Bell did the voice of Black Widow through it all, but the one uh swap that they did that i really don't think worked at least for me was the the replacement for uh james spader that they got in this I, I don't know who did the voice of ultron it wasn't james spader and it was not even a very good james spader impression and it was uh a little distracting but i mean
2: it was uh ross was... mercant
1: oh okay he he's the voice of the right. Red Skull in oh, the exactly. Infinity War stuff, and he did a fantastic Hugo Weaving, but his uh, James Spader could do some
3: work. I mean, Ultron. I loved Ultron's voice in uh, Age of Ultron. I mean, it was it was a little bit of a weak movie, but he was sinister in that movie, and his voice carried through as memorable. I feel so. We we have like that's a big shoe to fill for this one. But I mean, I think he did all right. Like it was, it was still decent. It seemed, he seemed a little dry though.
0: I also, at the end of the day, just, I don't care that much about Ultron. Like, I think I'm more forgiving to age of Ultron than a lot of people, but like, he was definitely a filler villain. He was a good one, but I don't mind if they change that actor out. It's, Like Remember when we were talking about Visions, when we said this role doesn't require an A-list actor? I don't think that Ultron, I don't think they needed to get James Spader back for this. Maybe they could have found someone to do the voice better. To me, it's just that Spader has such a distinctive
1: voice that it was noticeable, more noticeable when it wasn't him.
3: For me. What did you think think... of Ultron? Jesse and Sonali. Like, this version of him
2: this was my what if like this was one of the actual what ifs i thought while watching like uh uh age of ultron because it was like yeah what if he had what if he had managed to get into uh the body that ended up becoming vision like what would that have changed so i thought it was interesting to actually see that happen i also feel that this one did what the zombie episode was trying to do and sorry not the zombie episode the um uh, Hank Pym episode was trying to do was create sort of a mystery and um, you know have sort of a frenetic thriller where where you're you have a goal you need to reach and having Clint and Natasha Romanov kind of be the last survivors to in this decimated world to try and like fix things. Um, I didn't think. That they did justice to Ultron, but it, it wasn't so much the voice. Um, I feel like, again, like they when they could have explored the character of Ultron, you know, once he had conquered the 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 universe, then having to bring the Watcher into it, like having him expand that, I was like, that's you know, like I, I'm looking at the Watcher as a character that is beyond everything, who, who is uh, again only kind of. Apparent or, or obvious or known when everything has gone to hell and that there's no turning back. So having them do that in this episode really turned me off uh, to the point where I was like, "What is the, the last episode really going to do with this?" So um, it was it was pretty up and down for me overall.
1: Uh, I I respect that. I I did think you know it's a cool. Uh, for for such a huge level threat that Ultron becomes in this, I thought it was neat having it just be Hawkeye and, and Black Widow. And that made it even that much more daunting a challenge. Uh, so I enjoyed watching it from that perspective. But yeah, the fact that it doesn't really resolve in any way is a little disappointing. And uh, I guess we'll have to wait for the next episode for that.
3: I like how Dark Doctor Strange at the very end of that episode smugly like are you going to break your oath yet <laughs> he, he's <just> like yes
2: <laughs> I don't know if I like that like I didn't know if you know it was you you've done something that has destroyed a universe like your part in this is done I'm not complaining because they brought Benedict Cumberbatch uh, Cumberbatch oh my god back <laughs> Ugh, that was a tongue to Benedict
0: bitter button. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: you ruined it, Benedict Cumberbatch. Bash it's done. But you know, I it was I was ready for that story to be where it was left off. Like that was it. That was the end of that story. So,
0: any thoughts, Jess? I just yeah, I it. The, this like it was neat. I guess Ultron is very strong, but what this was, I think, was all set up. You're right, Cash. That like it was cool the transformation to when he recognizes the Watcher, and then when the Watcher is narrating that while it's happening, that was fun. Yeah. But like uh, this, this holds no space in my memory because it makes room for the next one. It, it's like we were talking about with the Hank Pym one. I wanted to see the good part. Well, this episode ended, and then the next episode was the good part.
1: Yes, this one might as well have been called um, the Guardians of the Multiverse. Uh, the, this is an episode nine is called What If the Watcher Broke His Oath? Uh, the Watcher assembles a team of superheroes pulled from the various episodes we've seen so far and one episode that we've <laughs> yet to see and uh, uses them to, to defeat this Ultron. And that's the. The short version that's that's everything that happens, but man, I had a blast with this episode this was this is my jam like the the next step from the what if comics was a series called Exiles that lasted for uh for for like almost a hundred issues over a hundred issues, and the idea is kind of like a a what if except with continuing characters and it's it's like. These there's something wrong in these universes and a team of heroes plucked from other different timelines and universes have to go in and and fix the problem there before they go to another universe and fix the problem there. And I would I would watch a show that was just that like these characters moving episode to episode solving the, the problem that's broken that universe uh, and I was a little disappointed that at the end of the episode they all get returned to their regular places, and we're not going to get a Guardians of the Multiverse. There's going to be a season two of What If, but I guess it's going to start from scratch. But uh, yeah, I, I I love stuff like this.
3: Alright, everybody went back to their home.
1: Sorry, fair enough. Not everyone went back to their home, but everyone the the team was disbanded. Let's put it that way.
3: Yeah, yeah I the, did the, like the... The, their stories wrap. Yeah, it, yeah. I like the fact that they brought, they put Natasha into the um, world where Hank Pym killed Natasha. That was kind of a cool little like tie in. I don't think the tie in with the whole zombies was really necessary because she really did nothing and it would have been, I mean, I guess they're trying to fight a cosmic Ultron, but at the same time, she's pretty cosmic and she's pretty powerful. You thought she would have like done something a little more than just, I'm going to blast you a little.
1: Yeah. That one, it felt like they were, there was a a mandate that we got to tie into all the previous episodes. And they're like, well, what are we going to do with the zombies? Let's just throw a bunch of zombies at them. And, and he's going to defeat them easily. And we'll move on. I mean, in their
0: defense, what the hell else would they have done? Yeah. Zombies don't allow for a lot of narrative structure.
1: (laughs) Pull Hank Pym's head out and have that him be part of the team.
3: So does uh, that mean Doctor? It was Strange actually Ultron oh, who killed you your daughter. daughter.
1: Sorry, Scott Lang. I meant the, the Scott Lang had uh, have that be part of the Guardians of the Multiverse.
3: Yeah, he had a cape. That would have been great. There you go.
2: <laughs> I was anyway. so mad. I was so mad at this episode
3: because you really? know what? It was
2: it was decent. It was good. It was good. It wasn't even decent. It was good. I wish they had done a thread throughout the episodes then if, the, if they were really building up to this it felt like it came out of nowhere to me like they kind of realized oh yeah we have to end this let's just tie it in with like the last one and go from there like i feel like the tacked on ending for um the ultron episode then made more sense in this case i didn't like that they made the watcher an active character because i think again it would have been it's it's it goes against his nature. Um, and because of that, I think if they would maybe shown a more of a progression of him changing and becoming more involved when he shouldn't have, I would have accepted it more. Because mm. um, it's like, oh yeah, he's supposed to protect them now. All the multi-multiverses all of a sudden because there's a bigger threat uh, abound with the ultimate Ultron going around. So I, the zombies thing was, I think, the funniest moment to to be honest, because it was the only time they actually managed to use the zombies for something appropriate and interesting. So I'll leave it at that. Um, And yeah, no, I kind of like the head game the Watcher played, right? Like, it was was nice to see his resolution. And he ended up giving um, Doctor Strange sort of a purpose, which defeated sort of the purpose of Him learning a lesson but i guess that i can forgive because again benedict cumberbatch so um
1: well the thing is he had learned his lesson like there was nothing left for him to learn Uh, he's just gonna sit at the end of time in his little cage this this gives him a chance to redeem himself
2: yeah and it was a nice thing to do but it seems like a lot of the the what if is like going against one's nature and, and doing things that we don't think the characters would do i i i will say i don't think the characters would do um and then of course kind of flip-flopping back and forth um so yeah i i enjoyed it um reluctantly (laughs) uh, with a little bit of uh, a begrudging attitude to it but uh it was it was good can't have the watcher break his oath like that. Anyway, anyway. I'm he's been breaking now. his oath
1: since his first appearance. In I the mean comics. he was
3: he is the black sheep of the watcher. He's like <laughs> he's the I mean, and Ultra called him creepy. Maybe he took it to heart and he's like, Okay, I, I'm I'm gonna have to do something. You yeah, yeah, like care. I'm
1: a lot of things, but creepy?
3: Excuse me.
2: He was the narrator. He fit <laughs> as a narrator. His entire gravitas came from the fact that he was he's somebody unre- who's
0: He's an unreliable narrator, no. we find out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fine.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I I mean, I liked this one. I, um, I like the spectacle of it. I don't think it's a, like a narrative work of art or anything. In fact, now that we're at the other end, I'll say on the whole, I think the writing in this series kind of let me down a little. Um, maybe it's just because they were cramming so much into so little time. But this was the like this was the payoff, like in the same way that Avengers had such a great payoff for the movies that you are know, introducing all these characters to it. Like so we've established all these cool new things that have happened, and now we put them to the ultimate test. And I and it was fun. If I break it down, there are a lot of parts that I think don't make sense. There are a lot of parts that like like I don't buy that they're like infinity stone killing machine don't won't work on these infinity stones. Like it was like little things like that, but on the whole, it was a like it was a Marvel action cartoon extravaganza, and I had a and I had a good time, and I thought there was even like it was fun payoff seeing how all the episodes uh like contributed a little. And again, this is what you were talking about earlier, Cash. This is where we get that Gamora in Thanos gear, who's from an episode we haven't seen yet because it got cancelled. Uh so even, even that sort of added an element of Maybe mystery is too strong, but it was just, it was, it was fun and exciting. That, that part did annoy me a little bit. Uh, Like I'm watching
1: and I was like, who are these characters? Did I forget an episode? Did I miss something? And I'm watching it and uh, I was like I kept being like, okay, I'm. I know I haven't seen them. They're gonna have to explain them at some point in this. There's got to be some sort of twist to explain why we don't know them, and that never happened. And I'm having to read it later that that episode just got canceled before it got produced. And I was like, that's. Uh, I don't like that. That's bad. You, you gotta adjust, you know, put a character, a different character in there instead of that Gamora. But whatever, it's. it's I accept it.
0: Yeah, I feel like given the choice, like, yeah, I would have removed that character and done something else, but I'm betting that like the amount of ahead time you have to have to make an animated production, I'm betting yeah. that wasn't an option.
1: But the, it, now they're saying that it's going to be, uh, that episode is going to be in season two, and I'm kind of like, well, what's the point? Is not there going to be a completely different overarching plot in season two? Why Why cram this in there if it's not going to fit anymore? But again, I should just... Let it be and see what happens before I, I cast judgment.
0: So uh anything else about this episode before we do final thoughts?
3: No, I think uh you guys covered up covered it pretty good. Um the once again, the fight scenes over the top, which was I mean, a lot of the a lot of this series was as a whole was just like really good junk food. And yeah, yeah. I, loved yeah, it. I, see. I was, I, I was okay with it. I was, uh, I was okay with it. It wasn't riveting stuff, but I mean, I had fun with it through and through. Like the Thor one, I found myself laughing out loud. Like I love the buffoon Thor. I, I think you can't get enough of that. Uh, I, can't.
1: I, <laughs> I really enjoyed him in this episode at where he was. He kept making Vegas references. Like his battle cry was
3: "Viva Las Vegas,"
1: but it was said in like a really epic Chris Hemsworthy way. I, I liked him there as a counterbalance to the seriousness of all the other characters. In his own episode, I, it was too much, but here it was just right.
0: It helped having the other characters around, for sure. Like, like you know, the, for Buffoon Thor, but also with Star-Lord T'Challa. Like, having someone to play off of mm-hmm. instead of just, like, poor mortal Natalie Portman. But yeah, that helped that character. So, yeah, on the whole, Marvel's What If... Um, Final thoughts, I guess. I'm going to start in saying that, like, I really enjoyed it and I enjoy the concept. I think it's unfortunate that it's going to get compared to the other three Marvel TV shows on Disney Plus so far because it's very apples and oranges. And, like, like, this pales in comparison to Loki. Sure, you know.
3: And it, yeah, like, you can't compare. By far. The Loki yeah. is just great writing. It's obviously executed beautifully. It's just a different. It's it's a different caliber of. It's of an
0: entirely different show. project. It's yeah, like you know. Yeah. It, it's like comparing like a well baked cake to like a particularly secure bridge for traffic. Like they're two entirely different things. But I I got such a high from Wandavision, and then Falcon and Winter Soldier was fine. And Loki was great. And this was just fine. And not even just because it was animated. And I know some people hold that against it, but it just was so much less of a thing that I think that hurts it. And so it's bad episodes feel worse and it's good episodes feel kind of overshadowed. So I, I don't regret the time I spent on it, but like I would probably like, like, if for some reason I was rewatching the phase, I would probably skip it. That would be a big phase to rewatch. Well, with it's all these it's TV shows. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing, right? But so here's a way to save some time, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't really need to see this again. This is
1: something as opposed to some of the other series where I could see myself popping on an episode here or there. Like I, I, with the other shows, you kind of there's like individual episodes are. Fine, but it's such a overarching story; it's all like one continuous story. Whereas this, it's really easy for me to just throw on a random episode and enjoy it for what it is. And that has been even a lot of the movies. It's hard to do that since they're all so tightly connected.
2: Yeah, I think it was. This was not the what if I wanted. Um, it it definitely um, had promising points and and stories and certainly um i i'm going to watch the next season but uh it it had way too many misses and didn't hold up as well i think yeah it does it does get uh, affected by the fact that loki and wandavision were so good you, even um falcon and winter soldier because it was uh, that was a marvel show so
0: all right so uh that's our final thoughts on what if well As always, uh, Sanal, Cash, our Marvel experts, thanks for for coming along. Um, You add weight to this to a a side that Graham and I don't always have, so thanks so much for joining us.
3: Thanks for having us.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: Well, we're giving out thanks. uh, Also should thank Oliver Wickham. He's the guy behind our theme song, music producer. He's pretty great. Uh, Please check him out on Spotify. You won't regret it. And finally, thank you. It, uh, You know, we did our Star Wars Star Trek a ways ago. I think Marvel is up there now with one of the things that the folks in our audience like the most. So happy to be bringing it to you. And uh, Marvel sure makes it easy because I keep making new stuff. Uh, so if there's anything we missed, uh, if there's any points you want to make, uh, if there's anything else to contribute or just even things that you want to complain about, uh, we're all for it. Because that's one of the most fun things to do with these geeky stuff. Uh, Graham, how can they get that to us? please email us at geektop5
1: at gmail.com. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash geektop5. We're on Twitter at geektop5. And we also have a lovely website, GeekTop5.com, where you can leave comments under every episode. Please also feel free to go to your podcatcher of choice and
0: rate and review us. Those ratings and reviews, super important, by the way. Um, It's not just your words and your stars, but also the fact that it's happening and where gives us a great idea of where the show is being listened to, how it's being listened to. Uh, It helps us make the show better for you. So just by taking a little time out of your day, uh, you can definitely improve a lot of your days later. On the longer and longer we do this, I would appreciate anything you can send. Uh, Marvel's What If uh, is now available in its entirety on Disney Plus. If you haven't watched it and listened to this episode, I mean, I commend you. Uh, it is uh, probably worth a watch. Kind of seems to be the takeaway. But there's nine episodes, about 20 minutes each. Uh, it's not as big as a major TV show, but still enough to keep you busy until we get a chance to do this again. Until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top 5. We'll talk to you again next week.